Welcome back to another human exception. This week, we open the next chapter of the Gen Saga with a special interview with AJ. Known by many at the time as Goo or Vincent, AJ joins us to talk about their experience for the first time in length. AJ lived with Jen and Co. from October to December 2004. Content warning, as with most stories in the Gen Saga, expect discussions of physical, mental, and verbal abuse. And as always, there is sure to be a smattering of foul language. Let's get ready for another human exception. recording that's craig and that's our bot (laughs) hi craig (laughs) hello craig (laughs) i miss the days where we just tell him to fuck off but yeah well i've muted him on my end so yeah i turned him way down (laughs) all right so uh aj what do you want us to call you call you for the interview here call me aj if you want to go back to the name that i was actually using around the time i was in the house like I said, in the house, they called me something else because they didn't like my name. Yeah. I was using, but unlike the Demon Sushi website, you'll see me obliquely mentioned under Reno's account under a guy named Goo. I was known as Goo back then. Okay. What do you prefer to go by? Yeah. I go by AJ or EB these days. Okay. We'll Wait. I usually get called EB by friends because my friend group actually has another AJ in it already. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, pronouns? They, them. Awesome. Perfect. Cool. All right. And like, yeah, so I'm Kayla. I'm the one you've been talking to a bunch already. Um, I'll let the others introduce themselves. What up? I'm Hallie. Nice to meet you. And I'm Nathan. Nice to meet you all. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I guess where should we start? How did you even get to, how did you even meet Jen? Because you you grew up in Maine, didn't you? Yes, I did. And I want to say high school, near the end of high school. Yeah, it would have been near the end of high school because of the way things went. I was just, you know, a Final Fantasy VII fan. I was going through some shit in my life. Everybody does. I'll get into that in a little while. But um, So I was just going around looking at Final Fantasy 7 stuff because that was the first video game that I got really into. I wasn't even really into gaming before that. So I had gotten into, you know, like looking into things about the lesser known characters or the lesser focused characters, which led to Hojo, which led to Hojo.org. Now, I ended up sending a message to the web uh the web host or the server master, whatever they yeah. call him now. That was Jack back then known as Renee. I don't want to dead name them, but at the same time I don't know if we're trying to keep the names sorted um, we're, out. We're, we're calling them Jack now. So just to, okay. yeah, we don't want to dead name them either. So that was Jack. And I talked to Jack for quite a, a while, maybe a couple of months. 
Jack started slowly approaching me about what the house was about, soul bonding and stuff, before going, I think you should meet Jen. And so over AIM, they introduced me to, uh, he introduced me to Jen. And I started talking to Jen on my own from there. And Jen started getting me more into, you know, explaining the soul bonding stuff and everything. And so it all happened over AIM. It was an email initially, but Jack, you know, after, I'd say after we exchanged maybe two or three emails, Jack was like, well, here's my AIM name. We should talk. And so most of it happened over AIM. Um, and do you remember what year that was? Like, was this like 2003? 2004. Okay. So Angel I'm... would have been already part of the group at that point. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much everything involved with my involvement happened in 2004. So, from okay. me meeting Jack to me getting in, into and leaving the house. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I was in uh, the end of high school then. I was 18, technically. Because I brought up that there's only one minor I know of that got involved with the house, so. Mm-hmm. There's, I've had people ask me that because in the past, it's like, were there any minors that they got in? Were there any minors involved? Like, there's only one that I know of, and we talked about that on elsewhere. We can get to that later too. But so I wasn't a minor at the time. I was 18. I think that was part of the reason why they wanted to engage me because you know I said I was 18 and. And I was, in fact, 18. My birthday was in January. So, uh, as for, you know, how and why this started enticing me, I was going through a very rough time at home from about the time my parents split up when I was 11 or 12 to pretty much, you know, the end of high school. I was having issues with my mom had a boyfriend that she'd left my dad for that abused me and he when I finally spoke out about the abuse even though my mom like this was like when I was 15 my mom had made the all the appropriate motions but then basically said you know she didn't believe me behind the scenes and she was still seeing him behind my back and this led to a lot of tension and fighting with my mom. And she even let the guy move into our backyard to a trailer, which led pretty much directly to my room. Fuck. Which he never did anything, but you know, I had to live with that fear. My Yeah, no kidding. I'm That's close to my up. maternal grandmother. She didn't know about this going on at the time. She says she had, she would have brought me to her house and transferred me to, you know, the school there and stuff. So, plus, I didn't go to high school conventionally. I always had issues with, you know, my mental health. And when I was 15, uh, 9-11 happened. And that exacerbated my existing anxiety issues horribly. Mm -hmm. So, I ended up being pulled out of school for about a year and a half and be uh, tutored at home. So 
I was also, you know, home alone online a lot, which led to getting involved with the stuff that ultimately led me to Jen. And in my senior year, because the home tutoring was kind of inadequate, they uh, I basically had to earn like four years worth of high school credits because I didn't do very well my freshman year because of all the stuff going on in my life. I had to earn them in like three weeks, and it was the last three weeks of school. So that really pushed me to the brink in terms mm. of, you know, what I was going through mentally and stuff. And that's pretty much what cemented my decision that I was going to end up there at the house. You know, it still took me a few months to get the means to. And was your mom's boyfriend still like living in the yard at that time? He was, but I was no longer living there by that point. My gra- As soon as I graduated, I moved in with my grandmother, but I was still really harried because people were like pushing me to go to college and stuff. Yeah. Which I took a small scholarship that I had gotten. Uh, a lot of people that in my hometown where I grew up in had gotten a scholarship because my town, my hometown that I grew up in was literally an EPA super fun site. So those was our sorry we poisoned you money. Mm. And yeah, it was reassuring. So I took. The money from that, and then my grants and student loans, and that's what I used to go to Pennsylvania. Because at the time, they were living in the house. And, and was this Mela's house? Yes. Okay. And so I can give you, like, a rundown of the roster of who was there when I moved there. and Yeah, that, that'd be good. I would like to know who, who was there then. So there was... Jen, Angel, and Jack. And I will say that even though Angel, that's how she's known almost everywhere online, I actually didn't know that until after I left the house. We always knew her as Anna in the house. Yeah. But, so, it was them. It was Mela. There was a woman named Ami. I don't see her mentioned a lot or pretty much ever. Even though she was probably one of the ones who was most abused in the house, to be honest. Oh, familiar so it was um, there was somebody else who was there but they were leaving just as I got there I can't even remember who they were mm-hmm. um let's see there was Ami uh actually Joaquin yeah Joaquin yeah. came okay. a little after I did like a few weeks after I did okay and then um Jess came and went yeah okay and Jess was the one minor. Mm-hmm. Now, did you know most of these people online prior to, prior to this? Or did you just kind of have that relationship with Jen and Jack? I only knew Jen and Jack. And I knew about Anna through them mentioning her. Okay. So, like, did you, like, take a Greyhound or something? Like, how did you get to Pennsylvania? I took a Greyhound. I don't drive. I never did. So. Mm-hmm. Do you, like, take the bus out there? Did they pick you up from the bus station, or did you have to take a taxi or something? Mela picked me up from the bus station. Okay. And even though this rarely happened, when I got to the house, Jen and Angel actually weren't there at the time. Mm. It was actually very rare that they weren't home. But for whatever reason, they weren't when I got there, so I didn't meet them immediately, and 
you know, it was a 24 hour bus trip. So I went and, you know, took a nap when I woke up. I remember that one point when I first got there, Mail had called, they called them, for, or they called the house from wherever they were because cell phones weren't really a big thing then. Yeah. So, then <laughs> they asked to speak to me. And I remember Jen commenting that I had like the cutest accent. That was the first time anybody ever mentioned to me that I had an accent. It was weird. <laughs> I heard that a lot when I was in Pennsylvania. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, like you, you don't sound like you have much of an accent to me, and I don't know if it was different before, but I don't know either, but <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say I would have I'm a Midwesterner, I would have mistaken you for a Midwesterner. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh guess I maybe I had a slightly more exaggerated Maine accent because you know I grew up you know down east Maine and mm-hmm. I guess I just don't anymore, but... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, they put me in what they called the lab. It was actually that... The house had been divided into... The house was three floors, but the third floor was a separate apartment originally. Yeah. So, my room would have been the kitchen of that second apartment. And okay. Yeah, because so there's they four put bedrooms in the house, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to remember, because... Yeah, there was three bedrooms. No, there's technically five bedrooms. Okay. There were... There was the master bedroom that Jen and Angel used. Then there were two other bedrooms. One of them was Mela's. One of them became Ami's. Or... It was also kind of like a multi-purpose room, because it was where the only computer in the house was. Hmm. Then upstairs, well, even more upstairs, the third floor, there were two bedrooms. And one of those rooms was Jack's, and one ended up becoming Joaquin's. Okay. And then I had, like I said, what should have been the kitchen. And they basically put a futon on the floor for me. But I did have my own working fridge. They didn't know the refrigerator up there still worked. The stove didn't work. The refrigerator did. I was going to say, it did end up becoming a good thing later, because I ended up having to hide food there, so. Mm. But, yeah, when I initially got there, they were just like, you know, because they had already dubbed me Vincent, so they were like, well, let's put let's put him in the lab, because at the time I was ID IDing as he, him. Mm -hmm. So, I put a futon in the lab, and that's where I was. It was not even like a door or anything there, so it wasn't a proper bedroom yeah and i can't imagine you brought much with you when you came from maine no i didn't basically the clothes on my back whatever i could stuff into one duffel bag i did bring more stuff eventually my dad was in the military at the time if you're wondering you know why my dad was totally absent during this period mm. my dad was and still is in the military and he had actually been deployed to iraq and at one point in november my dad got leave, and I actually left the house and came back to Maine to see him, and I willingly went back to the house because things hadn't gone bad that bad yet. So, you know, people hear about how I left and I came back. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, well, like, it's just like, it's one of those things that people, it's, it wasn't all bad, or else no one would have stayed there for any amount of time, right? right? So, And that things hadn't gotten, you know, as horrible as they would later, either, so. And, like, when, of course, thinking of the family house that you kind of came from with an abuser in your backyard, of course, like, I I don't blame you at all for staying with there. 
and preferring that over coming home. Right. You know, once I first got there, I was one of the few people that worked in the house. The other was Mela, who worked a lot. I think she's been pretty open lately about the fact that she worked as a stripper at the time. Yeah. For a while, I was, when I would talk about this, I wouldn't mention what she was doing for work in case, because, you know, there's no shame in it, but at the same time, I didn't want to go and say what she did for work if she did have some kind of shame or was trying to put it behind her. But yeah. what I'm given to understanding, she has been speaking about the fact that she was a stripper at the time, so. Yeah, she's pretty open about it now from what I've seen, too. So. And she was working at two or three clubs at a time. She paid the majority of the bills. Wow. And some of these clubs were pretty sleazy and disreputable. Yeah. And then, and sorry, to give an update to um, Nathan and Hallie. Um, so Mela came and joined shortly after Angel did. And then she ended up buying this house in Pennsylvania for them all to live in. And so she had to pay the mortgage and oh try God. to get everyone else to contribute oh, to that. Fuck. Jesus. All the mortgage, all the bills, utilities. Yeah. Holy shit. Which mm -hmm. is why she was stripping at two or three clubs at a time. Right, right. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. She would go and work at two clubs, like two clubs a day. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, she liked dancing, but at the same time, that was a lot of dancing, especially at clubs that weren't really, you know, didn't protecting her, didn't have her best interests at heart. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it was like one club that was okay. There was one that the clientele was really sleazy. It was just kind of like a dive. And they basically, because dude, it was only dancing for tips, so you basically mm -hmm. paid for the right to dance there and then kept whatever you made other than that. Yeah. Jeez. And that one club was actually kind of nice, but because some wealthier guys came, they didn't necessarily... Uh, respect the don't touch the girls rule. Mm. Especially wow. if they paid for, like, you know, VIP dances. Oh my god. So yeah, she I, hated working there. Yeah, I think reason. I read somewhere that sometimes people accompanied her to the club to, to, to like, watch over her. Is that Yeah, I was one that? of the people who did. Okay. Wow. Which I learned a lot about, you know, strip club etiquette then, but uh, including the strip clubs get very boring after six hours, but you know, that was beside <laughs> the point. And it was well, for one thing, Mela is about maybe five feet tall, even so, she's not a very big girl, mm -hmm. or she was back then. I can't imagine, you know, she's gotten much taller. You know, she was very tough, but she came from you know, a difficult background, she came from you know, the Cross Creek, like, yeah. Uh, Jen did. In fact, that's how they originally met. Mm -hmm. uh, she was, you know, tough as nails, but, you know, she was still one small woman versus, you know, grown men who are much larger than her. Yeah. Sometimes multiple. So, yeah. Uh, myself, Ami, I think Joaquin once or twice went to the club with her to just make sure she got to her car and back into the club all right. Wow. That's intense. Know, that was pretty intense. So she was doing that, and then Ami was also working full-time at Joanne's Fabrics. And Ami was a Japanese-American woman from California. I don't know how she got into all this, but she was 
probably the most loyal member of the house, but also, like I said, probably the most abused member of the house, to be honest. I don't know if she might actually have some loyalties to them still, and that's why she hasn't spoken up about it. I do know Ami is actually her real name, her, her real first name. She never went by anything online. But I thought I heard that she left the house. But through soul bonding things involving specifically Helsing, the series Helsing, yeah, she was declared the retainer, the butler. Okay, so she yeah. would come. She would come home from her job, full her full shift at Joanne's Fabrics. She was already in her forties in two thousand four, by the way. So she was she was older then. Older. She yeah. was. Oh wow. Oh, that's interesting. So she would come home from her shift at Joanne's Fabrics to be expected changed to a uniform, quote unquote. It was black dress pants and a white dress <sighs> shirt, and basically wait hand and foot on. Jen and Angel. Oh my, oh my god. And so like, Jen and Angel, they couldn't have been like, they must have been like 25 at the time. Well, I guess Angel was a little older. Yeah, they'd probably be in their mid to late 20s by then. Jeez. So they had this woman, she would come home, she would just change for work, and she would just basically wait hand and foot on them. We did all take turns with chores, but it was her job to like be their personal servant. And <laughs> He, um, there was a specific incident, probably about a month, a month and a half after I got there, where she fell down one of the flights of stairs and ended up breaking her tailbone. And she was specifically told that she needed to rest, stay off her feet, take time off of work if she could. And she couldn't. She both went to work and still served them hand and foot, even while she was recovering from this injury. Jesus. Fuck. Was there any inclination that she was romantically involved in, with them at all, or? Oh, definitely not. No, okay. I don't. If I mean, I'm not gonna wager any guesses on anyone's sexuality, but mm -hmm. if I had to guess she was probably maybe like asexual or something. She didn't seem interested in anyone Anything? in any way. Okay. Yeah. Which? Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to puzzle out how like a an older woman like that would then, you know, get that much loyalty. I Jen. Learned very little about her past, to be honest, other than the fact that she was Japanese-American and did have relatives in Japan that she had gone to visit in the past. And she loved, uh, she collected the scores for movies, but not necessarily the soundtracks, which I thought was an interesting hobby. Hmm. And she was really into, like, S&K arcade games. But other than that, I really didn't know much about her past. Oh, and she was from California. I think she might have actually known Mela before coming to the house. Okay. But I couldn't tell you how she ended up in the house or anything. I know she wasn't there during the Arizona saga, so. Yeah, so something must have happened. Yeah. I doesn't necessarily mean that she completely stopped talking to them as I you know, would later find out, because even I still talked to them for a little while after that, but... Mm -hmm. Um... Yeah, they, I never see anybody mention Ami online, and it's just like she's the complete unknown in the house, and it was like 
she was there when I was there, and it seemed like she was such a prominent member of the house, it's weird that nobody ever brings her up. Yeah, that definitely brings up a lot of questions. I'm going to have to see what I can find about her. I <clears throat> deactivated my uh, live journal, or I probably could have told you what her old live journal name was. You were friends with her on there once? Oh yeah, I was friends with all of them on there at one point. Okay, so we could probably get an archive version of your friends list. Possibly. I deactivated my live journal because of, um, oh, Kiwi Farmers was doxing me and my friends for something completely unrelated to this. Oh, okay. So I just went and deactivated my live journal, and technically it's still been within the last year, so if I had to, I could undeactivate it just to see that. Also, she was quite the cosplayer. She didn't look her age. She was. I was surprised when she told me how old she was. So, she used to be, like, pretty big into the cosplay scenes and anime cons before she got involved with the house. And she had some of her costumes there, because I was there during Halloween, so they insisted on dressing me up in one of them, which was actually a Sailor Mars costume, which, considering I was IDing as male at the time, probably should have been a red flag. Yeah. But, I just thought it was silly at the time, so. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know if Jack was, like, going to school or anything at the time while you were there? Jack was going to school part-time. He was going through a course to become an accountant. Like, not necessarily professional CPA. It was, like, kind of an H&R block kind of school. Mm -hmm. And then he was also working part-time at a comic book store. So it was you, Mela... Joaquin and Amy that were working? Joaquin didn't work while I was there. Oh, okay. I don't believe he got a job after that either. He left not long after I did, but that kind of rolled into the Arizona saga from there. Okay, yeah. Because the house didn't last much longer after I left either, so. But I was working at it was my very first job ever, and I worked at KB Toys, which, if you know anything about the history of KB Toys, it happened to close entirely, like, a couple of months after I started working there. Oh, like, no. the entire franchise no. closed. So I went in there, not only knowing it was a seasonal job, but that there was no way for it to become anything other than a seasonal job, because the entire chain was closing. And I imagine, like, with it being just kind of, like, retail work, I'm, I imagine it was probably, like, minimum wage or something, too. Yeah, it was. Yeah. First job, retail work. So most of the yeah. money that I made would be just co-opted directly by Jen for, you know, her to get. She called them shinies. Yeah. The, the things that she wanted. Now, did you have like a set rent aside from that? Or was it just like you, you got your paycheck and they took whatever they wanted? It was basically I got my paycheck and they didn't necessarily, you know, say hold out their hands, they give it all to me right now. But, which is how I was able to, you know, stockpile some food behind their back when that became an issue. Mm. But, it was pretty much expected that most or all of my paycheck was going to go to them. Wow. And then sometimes they would even have me, like, contact people at home and wire more money in. Oh my god. Jesus Which, Christ. usually for my mother, because they knew how my mother treated me, and they would, you know, convince me that, you know, she owed me, so 
I didn't really want to talk to her, but I would call her bugger for money. I'm pretty sure she'd just turn and tell my grandmother to do it anyway. It's not like my mother had money. Um, do you have an idea of like how much money she they ended up getting you to coerce you to get out of your family? Uh not as much as it was down, maybe a few hundred the whole time I was there. And then I also <laughs> had to ask for money to get a ticket to get back home. Mm-hmm. Okay. Both times, actually. Because, <laughs> so, like I said, I went back the one time. Yeah. So, Mella, was, uh, Mella wasn't expecting rent from you or anything at all? No. Oh, wow. And I don't know. I know that most of Ami's money also went to the house and to Jen. I don't know what exactly the utility split was there. I think mm-hmm. she might have paid the internet bill. And possibly some other things, like maybe the food bill or something. But I know 90% of the house expenses were paid for by Mela, so. Wow. Between most of us not making all that much and what we did make getting co-opted by Jen, most of it was on Mela, so. Yeah, and from what I understand, Mela hadn't done any sort of like stripping work prior to that. That it was she was kind of coerced into doing it by Jen. That would have been before you were there. I don't know if you heard anything about that. No, but I hadn't heard anything about that. But at the same time, I'm not surprised. Like at the time, Mela insisted that she did like dancing, and she even mm-hmm. had like, like, in certain counties in Pennsylvania, they required pasties to dance. She hated clubs that did that because pasties were uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. she would specifically go to, she would drive like sometimes an hour away to go to a club in another county so that she wouldn't have to wear pasties. Mm-hmm. Like one of the clubs that she wore, uh, would dance at was in Altoona, which was about an hour away. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, she was actually really talented, like sewist seamstress. So she did have a sewing machine set up, and nobody ever bothered with that because you know nobody else knew how to use it for one thing. But plus, she would sometimes make things for uh, Jen and Angel. You probably heard the rumors about. Jen and Angel would walk around with, like, skirts just hiked up over their boobs all the time. Yeah. It would usually just be, like, one same one skirt for, like, days or weeks at a time. Uh-huh. Until Mela would take time out of her schedule to make them a new one and get oh them to throw God. away that one. Uh, yeah, I hadn't heard that, that Angel had co-opted that same behavior, but that's <laughs> kind of not surprising. Oh, yeah, she wow. definitely did. As well as the lack of bathing. Oh, God. They would smother themselves in, like, oils and stuff, and it's just that was better for your skin than bathing, so. Oh, my God. And I think the house had four bathrooms, if I, because I I read a listing on it. Is that right? I remember three, and one of them was more like a half bath. Or two of them were more like half baths. But, yeah, still no excuse to not attend to basic hygiene. I mean... It's entirely possible the house got updated, because like I said, I remember one more bedroom and one less bathroom, so it's entirely possible that yeah, maybe in a later renovation, one of the be- bedrooms was turned into a full bath. 
Yeah. Because I remember there was like a half bath downstairs. And then the second floor, there was the one full bath. And then there was technically a full bath on the third floor, but the bathtub shower didn't work. So wow. it was pretty much treated like a half bath. How often was everybody home? Um, pretty often, actually. If anybody was ever gone, because usually, uh, Ami and I worked during the day. Usually, if anybody was going to be gone, it was Mela at night. So hmm. everybody but Mela would be home most of the time. Everybody, including Mela, it would be far rarer. Because she, sorry, she like, like I said, working three clubs, she pretty much never had a day off. No kidding. And was she the only one with a vehicle? Uh, Angel also had her own vehicle, actually. Okay. And Mela and Angel were also the only ones that drove. No way. I think Ami also had a license. I think she just didn't like using their cars in case anything happened. Ami and I would take the bus into. We worked in uh, State College, which was nearby to Belfont. What about commute was that? Yeah, not bad, about 20 minutes. Oh, okay, that's not bad. But one problem was I did have to work late at one point, and I had told them that, and Mela was supposed to come and get me. They totally forgot me. The entire mall that I worked at closed down for oh, the night. No. And this was in November. Oh, no. And I did not have very much of a coat. So I was sitting outside waiting for them and waiting and waiting and waiting. I don't remember what time they finally remembered me and came to get me. I do remember that I was very close to hypothermia. Oh, my God. And this was probably like the beginning of the end of me realizing just how bad things were there. I got brought to the house. I was like half frozen, half conscious. And I don't even remember being taken to the house. I just remember being found and being brought and then being at the house. So I don't even remember any of the commute. So I think it was Angel that ended up coming to get me. So she brought me in, and Jen looks at me, and she goes on about how I've been attacked by an ice arrow, like, from Legend of Zelda. And okay. makes this big show of pulling it out and stuff, and then saying, I'm going to be fine. And Angel's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then she goes and runs a hot bath and puts me in it, and that's honestly probably what actually saved me. Mm -hmm. But that was yeah. probably... The beginning of the end, me realizing A, they aren't actually that good people, and B, they're actually pretty damn crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. I mean, for all I keep saying, you know, there's the people there weren't necessarily crazy. I mean, in terms of Jen, I, I you, know, you saw when Joaquin and I were talking, we seemed pretty split on just how much Jen bought into her own bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Joaquin seemed to believe that she bought into it more than I did. And how much of the rest of the house seemed to buy into the bullshit? 
Um, Ami, I would have to say, probably did 100%. And that's why she... Was so loyal. Yeah, was so loyal to them. And also, they did a very good job of, like, when even as bad as they treat her, they would love Bomber and insist that, you know, she was, like, the glue that held the house together and made her feel special and everything else, so. Oh my god. Yeah. I don't know where she came from, but apparently that's what she needed to hear at the time, because it kept her very loyal. Mela, I am honestly not sure if how much she bought, because she talked more about being into Levian Satanism than actual soul bonding stuff. She didn't even really talk about the soul bonding stuff much the whole time we were there, mm. or participate in the you know that aspect of it. The off times that she was there, and even like Jen and uh, Angel would be like, "Yeah, she doesn't really have many soul bonds." I think they just kind of accepted that because you know it was her house that they were staying in, and she was paying bills, so. Don't try to press their luck, which hmm. I guess they did eventually press their luck too far because she kicked them out. Yeah. But Joaquin was pretty into it, and I think to some degree actually is still pretty deep into it. As part of it is he's been trying to, uh, they've been trying to get people to realize that, you know, having those sort of alternative beliefs doesn't necessarily mean you're crazy or a cultist. That's yeah. how they've been trying to take it the direction they've been trying to take this stuff when they're comfortable talking about it. Jess, mm -hmm. I don't think, believed in it at all, was just looking for a place to stay. Yeah, so you want to talk about, like, when Jess showed up and what happened with that? Jess was already kind of in and out after I got there. Uh, probably within a couple of weeks that I got there was the first time Jess showed up, and they all just kind of shrugged and like, yeah, she comes and goes from time to time. They explain that, oh, what was going on with her home life and stuff, and at the same time that they were trying to convince her to get more in contact with her, you know, soul bonds and everything, so that she was staying in the house full time. And, like I said, I don't know the specifics about her home life, just that it was a very unfortunate situation. And apparently, whatever she came from had no problems with her walking away for, like, days, even weeks at a time. And she was 17, so in theory, she should have been in school, I think. I don't know if she had officially dropped out or not. I know she was there during the day, so she obviously wasn't at school. And she also did spend some time on the streets. And she spoke about spending some time in the... Oh, mental health institution that was also in the area, which Jen also liked to use as a threat specifically against me and Mela because we'd had experience being in facilities like that. She would claim that we had threatened her or something to get us sent to the, sent there. Did so she ever she call? She never actually called, but she would use that as a threat to yeah. get me and Mela to be more compliant. But who, who were like the most rebellious in the house against Jen's rule? Uh most rebellious, uh you would have to say probably Mela to be honest. I think 
just because of the timing that I came in was shortly before, you know, she kicked Jen and Anna out. That's why it was more obvious to me that she was, you know, starting to have enough of their crap. Yeah. Uh, and then to some degree, Joaquin and I, because we got really close really fast, and uh, Joaquin was the one who pointed out that Jen was basically trying to run things the way that she had learned how to run, how learned how to do things at the Cross Creek School, and part of that was never to let the new students, the new people, connect with each other mm, because. Yeah. It makes it easier to conquer them if they're they don't have that unified force and they aren't you know bonding that way. So she was very angry at us for bonding so quickly and spending so much time together. And that's when she started like withholding food from us and stuff, which was also you know anything about cults? That's also a very common tactic. You withhold sleep, you withhold food, which they also did withhold sleep, but I didn't notice it as badly as some others would because I've always had a horrible time sleeping, so. So, yeah, she so she started directly trying to punish you guys just because you guys were close. Right. So, um, how would meals normally work? Was, this, was it kind of like a group meal time and then they just decided not to include you? Like, how would that happen? When I first got there, there was a, a that dinner time every night. There was usually only one meal a day, but it was generally a pretty big meal. I've mentioned before, because a lot of people are like, oh, I bet Jen didn't even cook, or Jen was a horrible cook, or Jen probably ordered out all the time. Like, no, actually, Jen loved to cook, and she was a great cook. Yeah, I've and, heard that, that she's actually really good at cooking. And well, she didn't have to do any of the cleanup afterwards. She was fine with it, so. <laughs> so, when I first got there, you know, she made plenty of meals, and they were, you know, big meals. They were great. And eventually, as I got there, and she was, you know, Mela was never around at dinner time. She was punishing Joaquin and I. So it became kind of a, everybody would make their own food, but at the same time, we weren't allowed to have access to said food if we were caught. Having access to the food, then we would get, you know, punished. Which usually was verbal in my case. Uh, the most physical I remember was I got pushed against the stairs. I was at the bottom of the stairs, so it wasn't like I got pushed down the stairs. But Joaquin seems to remember me getting punished physically more than I remember. Yeah, maybe it's something uh, you blocked out. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff from that time that I blocked out until fairly recently. Because Joaquin seems to remember things going down certain ways that I didn't necessarily remember. And then he, they would bring it up and be like, oh, yeah, that is right. Like, I barely remembered that we would walk like a mile to the nearest store that was open all night, nearest convenience store, just to buy food with the money that I, you know, squirreled away or that mm -hmm. then we would hide it in the fridge in my room. Now, who was the. um? primary punisher was it was it angel yes it was angel that's why i've said because you know people tend to be oh a bit more sympathetic towards her these days yeah 
And I can acknowledge that somebody can be both victim and victimizer, but at the same time, I remember her being, like, the enforcer, the one who did most of the punishment. I mean, she was also the one that saved my life during that one mm -hmm. time I spoke about, but, you know, she probably just didn't want, you know, a dead person on their hands, because... Well, and you still gotta bring money into the house, right? <laughs> well, not only that, but I think, you know, if they had an actual dead person on their hands, what the fuck were they going to do? <laughs> Yeah, fair. Bury me in the unfinished basement? <laughs> that would be effort, though. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that'd make um, Ami do it. Yeah, oh my god. That'd be well, I mean, in that case, they might make someone finish the basement. <laughs> Ami, make, we'll finish the basement. <laughs> yeah. Now, like, when... um. When Angel would like deal out these punishments, was this usually like kind of a gent's commands, or she'd just do it? Uh, usually she would just do it. They were pretty much operating as a unit. It's like a solid mm -hmm. unit at that point. In my mind, they probably could have been seen as co-leaders, even though, uh, in hindsight, it was more like you know obvious that Jen was the one in control. At the time, mm -hmm. it felt to me like they had some kind of co-relationship going on. Yeah. And... But it was Jen herself that, who through yelling at me, got me to fall back onto the stairs, hurt my mm -hmm. back. And was there lots of, like, yelling and punishment like that among the other people, too? Uh... It was usually for me and Joaquin, and also uh, Jess. There was a point in the house where somebody had stolen from the house, and they were like 99% sure it was Jess, because she was the only one that really came and went. And things got very scary at that point. So it wasn't like a lot of yelling, but there was definitely a lot of very quiet threats. Definitely a lot of violence and, you know, threats of violence. And it turned out that the thing that they were convinced was stolen it was, mis was misplaced. Ami actually found it while this whole thing was going on. Mm -hmm. Ami kind of like quietly slipped out while they had kind of lined up me, Jess, and Joaquin as the prime suspects, but they were focusing on Jess. But they were definitely, you know, throwing out the accusations at us as well. Ami just kind of quietly, you know, slipped out, and I didn't know what for. I thought maybe she just couldn't bear to watch this. But eventually, after this had been going on for maybe half an hour, 45 minutes, Ami came down, down from down upstairs and was like, you know, I found it. It was wherever. And all of a sudden, Jen acts like none of this had ever happened. You know, she started saying yeah. oh yeah she didn't even apologize to us she just laughed into treating us like we were you know her friends again that's not do you remember what it was that went missing i don't it was probably like one of her crystals something that she was convinced was worth a lot but actually wasn't mm. and do you know, remember if any like if they were ever like physical with jess i don't recall, but I wouldn't be surprised, especially if it was before or after I got there. Yeah. I know that they yelled at Jess a lot, especially since, you know, like I said, she kind of came and went as she pleased. 
I think they dislike the fact that even though all of her choices were crappy, she still had choices. But hmm. I also think that was pretty much the only way that they could have, you know, this underage girl with them without being accused of kidnapping or anything. Basically yeah. by letting her come and go as she pleased. I think Jen was aware of certain laws to a certain extent. She wouldn't have dared try anything with anyone underage if she wasn't from A, as bad a home life as Jess seemed to be, and B, able to come and go as she pleased so that she couldn't be accused of like luring her in and kidnapping her or whatever. How involved was Jack during all of this? Jack was kind of pulling away by that point. I said I didn't even remember Jack being part of the Arizona saga. According to Joaquin, he was at least at first. But it seemed like, from what I gather, he and Jen had been seeing each other. Then Angel came into the picture and Jack kind of got phased more into the outskirts. He was still kind of considered, you know, one of the higher-ups in their group. But you could hear him fighting with Jen and Anna from their bedroom a lot. He didn't often join Jen for, like, sex or anything while I was there. Seemed like I they met... didn't really have much romantic relationship at the time. Yeah, but I think I remember being surprised to find out they te were technically romantically involved. And I didn't quite understand polyamory at the time, because at the time I was told that uh, Jack, and, Jack and Jen had a relationship. Angel and Jen had a relationship. Jack and Angel didn't. Which is also another reason why I was shocked to find out that supposedly Jack and Angel married each other. Yeah. So... And then I mentioned that, you know, you could hear things coming from Jen's bedroom. And it's like, whatever was going on there definitely sounded violent, not maybe 100% consensual, so. Yeah. And sometimes Jack was involved, and sometimes he wasn't. Do you remember kind of what sort of arguments that Jen and Jack would have, like what it was about? I don't know. They would go into the room, and I could hear, you know, muffled noises, but... Yeah. You couldn't hear the actual words. I don't so think Jack... I remember even if I could hear it. Yeah. So Jack just kind of kept to himself most of the time? Yeah, he didn't mind it if I hung out in his room as long as I was quiet. He said that I had kind of like a soothing presence. Which, Jack was pretty open at the time that he was on the spectrum. He uh was diagnosed with what they called Asperger's at the time. They're trying to move away from that name now, yeah. especially since, you know, a Nazi came up with a name. But, mm. so, at the time, he was the kind of person who was using it as kind of like a get-out-of-socialization-free card. So he could suddenly turn on you on a dime and be really rude and nasty to you. Or at least to me. Yeah. But, at the same time, as long as I was just you know, around and quiet. He didn't seem to mind me at all, and he said that there's not very many people he didn't mind hanging around with. I was one of them. Yeah, Maybe well, it was because I was on the spectrum myself, so I knew what those boundaries were like. I didn't really mm -hmm. bring it up at the time. I mean, I don't think I spoke out about being on the spectrum until 
honestly my 30s because the internet had turned it into such a big thing that I kind of kept it under wraps. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I got there, let's see, mid-October. That left late December 2004. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you really weren't there that long. No. It but, doesn't take long, though. <laughs> no. And like I said, I had spoken, been speaking to Jen and Anna for quite a while before that. Uh, I mean, Jen and Jack. And then I still spoke to Jen for a little while after that. It was actually, we stopped talking after she became convinced that I owed her $100 for some reason. I don't remember why I would have owed her $100. But I finally got sick of her bringing it up. So I sent her $100 I didn't have. I, like, went into... Oh. I'd only recently, like, started a job at a call center then. And I went into overdraft just to pay her back. Because I was paying off my own bills and stuff. Wow. And then I completely uh, blocked her from all social media and stuff. So as soon as I did that. And I still was talking to Joaquin at the time. I, I didn't even really remember. I remember when Joaquin left because they initially went back to Louisiana where they originally came from. And then they went to Arizona. And then not long after that is when uh, Jen Angel and apparently Jack moved out there. Although I think Jack left eventually. Yeah, I think he left for a period at some point. Um before they like they fully left. Yeah. So, but I do remember Joaquin moved out there before they did. And so, do you think that, um, like Angel Jen moved out to Arizona because Joaquin was out there, or because like Angel's family was there? I think it was because Angel's family was there. It was just a coincidence. At least that's how Joaquin always painted it. I mean, you yeah. have to ask Joaquin for specifics about that, and yeah, you know, like I don't want to speak for them too much, for other sure. than you know what they've already said elsewhere. Yeah, that makes sense. So you ended up going back home for a bit in November, right? And then you like were they worried you weren't going to come back? Um, you know, I think they were pretty confident that I was at that point. Because things hadn't actually gotten too terribly bad at that point. I was still quite, you know, enamored with them and living there. I think they were pretty certain that I would come back. They even encouraged me to go, so. Okay. I think they saw this as like, you know, kind of like a trial or a test. And how long have you gone for? Like a week or something? Or Yeah, only about a week or so. So when you got Maybe back, left. when did things start getting bad? Uh, when I got back, they started getting bad probably within a week or two of coming back. So of the two months I was there, it was probably only really the last month that things were really bad. started because of your closeness with Joaquin or yeah partial 
I think it was somewhat because of my closeness with Joaquin, and somewhat because now they knew that they had me hooked, they could do whatever they wanted. I think they thought I was like Ami, I would be loyal no matter how much they kicked, you know, they kicked me around. That they mm -hmm. could mold me into being something even more obedient. So what was the straw that broke the camel's back? Uh, there wasn't necessarily a straw that broke the camel's back. I was pretty certain I wanted to leave for quite a while after they started mistreating me. Like, I could understand what they were doing wasn't right, and I wanted to get out, but I couldn't. I felt that, like I couldn't. Uh, Jen kept, you know, threatening me, holding the fact that, you know, she had all my stuff, all my money and everything. So what happened was, necessarily, there wasn't a straw that broke the camel's back so much as I had a excuse that I was finally able to leave that Jen would allow. And that was, for some bizarre reason that I still don't quite understand to this day, Jen had become friends with an aunt of mine that even I'm not close to. Okay. It wasn't at the time. It was one of my dad's sisters. And I don't know how they met each other or started talking to each other. But they started talking and that aunt uh, does have had well she had like some medical issues so I said well what if I go back to Maine so I can help take care of her because said aunt you know was still totally enamored with Jen I think she saw that as a way to keep me compliant and in the fold as long as I was with that aunt so she let me go in theory to you know go and live with that aunt but you know I never planned to that's really she just let you go then that didn't try and stop yeah. you? Yeah, because she was convinced that I was going off to be with, you know, said aunt. Wow. That's weird. And I'm yeah. still not close to that aunt. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, do you know if that aunt and Jen stayed in contact afterwards? I know they did for a little while because I got in contact with that aunt and spent the, like, a couple of nights with her at one point after I left. But, uh, Jen was well aware that I didn't actually go and stay with her, by the way. She still kept in contact with me even after finding that out. She, I guess she was like, well, as long as I was, I was still talking to her, then there was really nothing she could do. Um, try to get more money out of me, I guess. Yeah, was she trying to convince you to come back? No. Like oh. I said, I'm pretty sure the house was falling apart and Mela was getting ready to kick everyone out at that point, so. Mm-hmm. And then, like, even Joaquin left not long after I did, so. And they didn't have the same kind of excuse that I did, so I think just everybody was being scattered to the four yeah. winds by that point. So, yeah, and for the record, even after seeing that aunt, like, years after that account, after all that stuff, no, we never did talk about what happened. Like, pretend it didn't happen. Basically. It's so strange that Jen reached out to her and tried to form this connection with her. And not that I've seen that aunt all that much since then, but it's, it is really weird knowing that, thinking about that. 
Yeah. Well, I did see her. I'd be tempted to ask her, you know, when and how did you start talking to Jen and how did that end up ending? Like, was your aunt on, like, live journal or something? Like, how did this even happen? I She didn't even have a computer as far as I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think what she, like, wild. actually called her on the phone. Oh, my God. I think it was, like, my relatives trying to get me out of there were, like, desperately sending, like, any relative they could to call the phone number that I had given. And my Aunt Jolene, that's her name, ended up getting through because she was kind of, like, you know, the mystical type. And it was, ended up reporting back. It's like, well, the good news is I ended up speaking to them. And the good news is I also like them. <laughs> oh my god. It was so Oh they're fine. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> that gen girl so sweet. <laughs> Basically. Oh my god. It was uh... such a bizarre series of events. Like Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to address Reno's story about what happened with you? Oh okay, the first thing to bring up is once again I was eighteen. Yeah. So, what happened was, I was actually part of a Final Fantasy VII roleplay group. That's how I met both Reno and a girl that, if you notice, he said that it has something to do with a love triangle or... Melon? Oh. Or, Z- or Zarla? I don't know. I don't think that's... Or someone else entirely. Yeah, someone else entirely, as far as I know. Oh, okay. I think his count just vaguely said that it was about a girl or that it was about some sort of love triangle. Yeah. But what happened was we were in this group and we all went to Otacon together. Mm-hmm. And that's when we first met each other. And I had been talking to Jen and Anna at the time. And I mentioned that vaguely to, you know, the group. And Reno was telling me, you know, these people are bad news. Don't get involved with them. and. I'd already disliked Reno for completely unrelated reasons, but so I did, in fact, go and, you know, tell Jen and Angel that, you know, he was talking shit about them at this convention. Mm-hmm. And that's what he said in that account. But he also brought up there was something involving a, my girlfriend or there was a love triangle involved. What happened was I kind of got put on this whirlwind. I don't really want to call it romance with a girl while I was there who just, while we were there, she was like, by the way, we're dating now. Okay. By the way, we're going to live together. Okay. By the way, we're engaged. Okay. By the way, this is all moving too fast. Now we're broken up. Okay. (laughs) And this all happened (laughs) about a month. Okay. But the whole time that this was going on, she was not just really into Reno, she was, like, stalking him. Oh. And he wanted me to, like, try to call her off, but I didn't even know about this until after she'd already kicked me to the curb. So, by the time he got into contact with me, because he'd already blocked me for being mad about telling, you know, Jen and Angel this stuff. Yeah. And he, I don't know if this is still the case, but he was a pretty angry guy, even at the time. Pretty angry and scary guy, to be honest. Hmm. But, he managed to get in contact with me because I'd already blocked him for other unrelated reasons. It's like, you know, call her off, do whatever you have to do, and it's like, no, well, I'm not dating her, and she's not my problem, you know, call the cops, I don't know what to tell you. And that was that. 
So he he tried to tell you about like what happened with like uh, Icarus or Zach, right? And what 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 did you think when you heard that stuff? He didn't really get into specifics. He just talked about how these people were bad news. I didn't want to get involved okay. with them and stuff. So you really had no idea about the the history other than that small mention, right? Was it surprising to you when the um? Demon Sushi account did come out? It was, and I remember at the time I was still talking to Jen, and I actually remember uh, not long after I got into the house, phone calls between Jen and well, he's, I guess they're known as Theo now. Yeah, okay, Theo, and yeah. they were fighting over the phone and stuff. So, when the website came up, Jen painted it as, you know, this person just has a vendetta and that, you know. Oh, sorry, that, that's Icarus. Icarus is the one who made the website. Okay. Yeah. But Jen basically was like, oh, that's just somebody with a vendetta. It's just, it's nothing. But okay. you know, obviously, yeah, you know, it wasn't nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that went up, I think, like, the next year after I got out of there. <laughs> Yeah, it was April 2005. Yeah. So yeah, I would have still been in contact with them because I had gotten another job fairly recently around then. That's what led to the demands I give money. Yeah. That's when I pulled back, but... Um, did you ever think about like submitting your story to the website? I didn't because for a long time uh, being associated with them and the website, I was just trying to kind of forget that it happened. Yeah, and also I hated that my name was mentioned on there, even just vaguely in Reno's account. Yeah, because you know, again, I was young, and though there's two sides to every story, you know, I did For do sure. exactly what Reno accused me of, but at the same time, you know, the whole romance stuff was not what he portrayed it to be. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a romance; we were both being, you know, treated horribly by one girl. Yeah, to be honest. Maybe him a little bit worse than me. <laughs> but, so, yeah, I never considered submitting my story on there. And I think I was also still a little bit afraid of the power that Jen and Angel might have had over me. And then, especially since I was still close to Joaquin at the time, and Joaquin was still close with them. You didn't want to get did, them in trouble? Yeah, I didn't want to get them in trouble or jeopardize our friendship or whatever. Hmm. So then what ended, what ended up making you decide to come out and speak about your your story? It started when I first saw the Down the Rabbit Hole video. Mm -hmm. At the time, I had vaguely mentioned that I'd been a part of all that mess to some people, mostly to some friends. But I hadn't actually come out and spoken about it in a real public setting. But I was watched the video, and then I was looking at the comments, and all the people talking about, oh, the people who got involved deserved what happened to them. They're, you know, they were just stupid, or they're just crazy, and all I want to do is, mm -hmm. you know, clarify that, you know, these people weren't, you know, crazy, weren't stupid, that any one of those people in the comments could have easily fallen for something like that had they been in situations like us, which is most of us came from really bad backgrounds, we were neurodivergent, or mentally ill. And that's basically what why we quote unquote fell for this. 
we were, you know, desperate for that type of escapism, and Jen was just very good at playing on that. She took advantage of you guys because you were in a less than ideal situation. Right. And so I first started talking about on there, and one or two people were asking me questions from there. And it kind of snowballed from there and wanting to... Like, another video eventually came up about the house. They didn't ask my permission, but they did end up using one of my quotes from the testimonial I gave in the Down the Rabbit Hole videos comments. Yeah. And that led to a couple more people, like, reaching out to me, and then I eventually started reaching out to others, saying that, you know, I'm willing to talk and say what my story is to the best of my recollection because I can't speak for, you know, anyone else, but I'm willing to talk about my own situation and my own experiences now. And it takes a lot of guts for you to come forward and do that. Like it, I mean, it took, you know, 15, 16 years to do it, but by then I'd forgotten a good portion of it. Joaquin either had a jog my memory or, Weird things would jog my memory, and I would suddenly remember something that I had forgotten from that time. Yeah. But. Yeah, I'm sure you probably tried to forget a lot of it for a long time. Yeah, I definitely did. And, you know, the more I talk about it, you know, the more I remember. And I know memory's, you know, a faulty thing, especially when you're trying to forget something. Yeah, and when, especially when it comes to trauma and stuff like that as well, it can really twist things around sometimes. Now, like, whenever people are talking about how, if they're going to be working on things involving the Final Fantasy house, if people ask them to, I'll reach out and say, you know, I was in the house, I can show proof that I was, if you want somebody to talk about it with. Just to give the perspective from somebody who actually was there, and... Yeah. You know, was a, well, I guess you could say, like, a survivor or a victim or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so like the people at home, um, AJ did end up joining the Tattle Crime Discord, which is that other Discord that I've been working with people on doing the research for this. So they've been on there and talking to other people and answering questions, which like hats off to you to being willing to put yourself in that situation considering like everything that you went through. That could have that, you know, you went through a lot of trauma and I I applaud you for being willing to expose yourself to potential triggers by doing that. I just felt like I was in a better place to be able to do so. Like, in the case of Joaquin, who also came onto the Tattle Crime server, they were only able to allot, like, 24 hours, and then that was it. They didn't want to mm -hmm. discuss it anymore. Yeah. And, you know, I totally understand that. I totally understand people not wanting to come out and talk about it. And I want to do it not just for you know the people who were involved in that house specifically but similar situations so that they know that you know a there's a life after that you can move on and you know have a good life after something like that has happened and b you know that you weren't some crazy fool or an idiot like the internet might say you were because it happens to People who it can happen to almost anyone, really, as long as the circumstances line up right and wrong, as the case may be. Yeah, definitely. 
Now, have you thought much about, like, if you had a chance to talk to Jen now, what you'd say to her? Or even Angel in your case? I haven't really thought about that. I honestly have no desire to speak to either of them ever again. Totally fair. And what would you tell somebody who may have been maybe in a similar situation as you were at that time? I'd say if your gut is telling you if they're still in that situation, if your gut is telling you that this is wrong, there's a good chance that yes, this is wrong. Do what you have to to get out of that. Even if it's weird or unorthodox. As long as you get away from that, you can start rebuilding from there. And if you have recently gotten out of that or have that in your past, it doesn't have to define you. You can go on to do all kinds of other things. You can create, you know, this whole life that has nothing to do with it. I mean, I'm only... And you don't have to come out and talk about it like I do either. And I made that decision, but it's up to you if you want to put that completely behind you or not. Work that out, you know, with a therapist privately or work it out, you know, talking to other survivors. Do what you need to do for you, basically. Mm -hmm. Do Only go as far as what makes you comfortable and do what you have to so that you can live a good life following this event and preferably you know what brought you to this because there Mm -hmm. is you know life after this and it doesn't have to define you like i think the weirdest thing that happened was a couple of years after i got out of the house i was getting my first tattoo and after it was finished and i was waiting to get a ride back home i heard my artist and somebody else talking about the final fantasy house and it was such a bizarre thing because it was something that I was involved in was that well known. Wow. And so to think that, you know, I was involved in something so well known that people out in the wild would be talking about it, that struck me as so bizarre. And because I didn't realize quite, you know, the breadth of this whole situation or how much traction the Demon Sushi website was going to get or how big an impact this was going to have on internet culture. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't recognize that at the time. And, you know, going back to what I would tell somebody in a similar situation, whether it ends up becoming a big thing or a small thing, you know, you only have to let that define you as much as you let it define you. You can walk away and move on and not have anything to do with that. Even if other people point at you and say, you know, they were there, you don't have to say anything about that. You can say, I've moved on and walk off. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just got to take your mental health first above everything else. Right. You know, and like survivors like you coming forward and sharing the story, I think it helps a lot of people, but it it's, you know, only beneficial if it's also if it doesn't hurt you in the process. Right. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story. Um, that sounds like a wild two months that you had there, and I'm glad you were able to get out. Yeah, it was 
definitely a life experience. <laughs> yeah. Is it weird that something like that is so famous? It is. Like I said, when I <laughs> heard the my tattoo artist talking about it, that's when I realized just how far that this had started to go and how well known it was starting to be. It was just wild to me, and it's still wild to me at some points when, mm -hmm. you know, people will bring this up, and, you know, or I'll casually mention, like, I one of my best friends I talk to now, he, when we first met, uh, somebody had mentioned that, you know, I was in the Final Fantasy house, he was like, THE Final Fantasy house? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <sighs> but yeah, that was a crazy time. At the time, I wasn't exactly. I was telling you know friends about it, but I wasn't no open out with it. Yeah. Um, Nowadays, I think I pretty much exhausted my supply of interesting stories that are not necessarily <laughs> traumatic from that time, because there were some situations that arose in there that, you know, looking back on it, were more funny, like the Neopet sweatshop. Okay, what? <laughs> I'm sorry, explain. Yeah. <laughs> you just say yeah. that Dad was really into Neopets. And okay. the thing is, as you know, she doesn't like to do a lot of work. But there are certain <laughs> things that she likes in the Neopets game and that it had its own economy and stuff. Mm -hmm. So we all did happen to have Neopets accounts, or if we didn't, we had to start one. And we would go on there and exhaust the games that, you know, we were good at to get the maximum amount of points and transfer them over to her so that she could get the things that she wanted. So, in a way, it was like a microcosm of what was happening in the house itself only oh through this game. <laughs> and frankly, a surprise, we didn't all get our accounts uh, suspended Man. because yeah. it would have looked like, you know, Somebody with a lot of alts who was sending points to one account. <laughs> and, but yeah, there was like a Neopet sweatshop going on. She would just have us take turns going on to the one computer and going on to Neopets and earning oh all god. the points for her. Oh my god. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> uh, that's uh, fucking wild enemy. Yeah, that's yeah. real good. <laughs> I actually still have my Neopets account from that time period, too. So. <laughs> Jen's no longer a friend on it, but I still have the account. That's a relic of the past now. Oh, yeah. Neopets. Like a time capsule at this point, because I haven't even right. had it since high school. So. Oh, I lost my high school account, man. <laughs> oh, that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thanks so much for sharing again, like I said, and coming on. Um, it was, yeah, really good to hear, like, insights from what your experience was, because it's a kind of an era that we don't have a lot of information about, and to just realize how many people were being sucked in at that time. Like, that's crazy. The house was so full of people, like, and, like, Amy and all these other people that I didn't know about. I can't, yeah. I can't even imagine how many people that Jen has gotten to now. Oh, yeah, especially since, you know, she cropped up and tried to do it in another fandom, which I honestly didn't know she was <clears throat> attempting it again until the Down the Rabbit Hole video, which, in hindsight, I wasn't shocked to find that out either, but... Yeah, it's like, we know that she was doing the Hannibal thing around 2015, but it's like, what has she been doing since then? Yeah. I have a hard time imagining that she, like, just stopped. 
same here. It's like either she's gotten a lot better at hiding who she is, or maybe she did finally find, you know, a long con grift that sustains her so she doesn't have to do this anymore. Because she's definitely not working. <laughs> yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> I would be shocked. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I don't know, Nathan, Holly, do you have any questions? I just I just wanted to say thank you again because I know this shit is tough and it you know being open and sharing like that um I think it's really important because there's so it's so unfortunate and so sad that there are people out in the world like that who are willing to just use people up. Yeah, I'm right. I'm on the same I'm on the same page like you absolutely aren't expected to to do this but we're super right. grateful that you're willing to come on and chat with us so yeah thank you for that oh no problem like i said if it can help anyone else out there then i'm glad to talk about it for sure is there anything else that you want to share no i think that's about it i hit on pretty much all the stories and experiences that i had at the time so again Thank you very much, and yeah, we hope you keep continuing living your good life away oh. from Jen forever. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you think you can kick Craig? All right. Craig. Craig. I like Craig. That's it for this week. Again, we want to give a massive thank you to AJ for being brave enough to come forward and share their story. We greatly appreciate it and hope that their story can help inspire others in similar situations to speak up or get out. If you suspect that you or someone you love might be in an abusive domestic situation, you're never alone. If you live in the United States, visit hotline.org or call 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-3224 for 24-7 support from the National Domestic Violence Hotline. For those in Canada, go to EndingViolenceCanada.org for resources by province. Going forward, Hallie is getting ready for her big interstate move, so the next couple episodes will likely be more additions to our Campfire Stories to Tell on the Internet series. If you have any stories that you'd like us to tell, please let us know. As always, links, pictures, and additional information can be found on our website at thehumanexception.com. To keep up with all things exceptional, be sure to follow us on Twitter or Facebook at The Human Exception. Have a story that you want us to cover? Want to tell us that we're wrong or do you just want to say hi? You can email us at thehumanexception at gmail.com. And if you want to get on the fun, you can come join us at our Discord server. Link can be found on our contact page. Keep on being exceptional, my humans, and have a wonderful weekend. Mm-hmm.